listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. What Have I Done by Lyra Cara on AO3 The rain is a dark, ominous waterfall. The heavens a sieve, bleeding down upon them. It's still so damn cold this early in March, this late into the night. His wet coat is nearly freezing solid on him, ice particles forming on his surfaces when the chasing, chilling wind screams past. He's moving fast, his strides long and hard, his breath short and punctuated, his pupils dilated, focused and unfocused, single-minded in his search. It's been a long night of hovering near the brink, and he wants to find some solid ground again. There is only one way to sanity, finally, and he's headed straight for it. The taillights of the stationary luxury sedan are still on, their garish reflection bouncing around him as if he's in a mirror-filled funhouse. The driver's side door is still open, rain pouring inside the car. It doesn't matter. The vehicle is evidence now, covered in fingerprints and blood, fragmented pieces of a body having been splattered hideously against the shiny black exterior. The street is blocked at both ends, holding back the media and the late-night gapers drawn to the police cars, the flashing lights, the crime scene tape, a veritable red rope, denying access and increasing curiosity. He ignores everything around him. The smell of trash and copper and wet streets, the chatter of the uninformed officers, the radios cackling, the shouting from reporters who shouldn't know his rank or his bloody name, but who use it anyway, as if they know him these days, as if they aren't fucking up his career the more they splash his face across their pages, putting a target on his back to sell another story. He heads straight for her, seeing only her, his fury and fear still swirling, as if the bastard isn't already dead, as if she's still in that motherfucker's hands, as if she hadn't just shot the son of a bitch in the head, blowing it nearly clear off at close range in an attempt to escape with her life. She's soaking wet. Someone had thrown an NYPD raincoat over her shoulders, but she's shivering. He can see that she's trembling, too the two types of shaking battling for control, and maybe he only knows the difference between them on her. Olivia. Her face jerks up, her eyes too wide as he approaches. She's killed before. She's fought before. She's even been goddamn abducted before, and what kind of heinous track record of survival is that? But this is different. This time, she'd fought not only for herself, but for him knowing that he couldn't lose twice to Wheatley. Not twice. Not again. Not ever her. It's over, she whispers as he approaches. It's over. She's the one telling him. He should be the one to reassure her, but the bleak, gutting terror of knowing she'd been in mortal danger, it hasn't left him. He isn't whole, not even close. He's grabbing at her immediately, pulling her in and fuck the department and ranks, fuck protocol and rumors, 
and most of all, fuck the sycophantic photographers coaxing him, shouting inane things to make him come to them. Let them take a goddamn picture. Immortalize it. She's in his arms, then. She's pressed up against him, soaking and short of breath. She's tucked into his body, and he buries his face into her hair, inhaling, praying, making holy amends with God above, knowing his life will never last long enough to fulfill all the promises he'd made to his harsh creator tonight. A year to the day. A year to the day. They stood on a wet street a year ago today, surrounded by the smell of burning fuel. His life as he knew it shattered. Her face as stunned that night, as shell-shocked as it had been just a few moments ago. She'd saved him then, and she saved him now. And it hits him. All of it. It hits him like a stolen, speeding freight train. What it's been, the year of it the absolute viper pit of death and destruction that he'd brought into her life, into all of their lives. He'd come back, sucked her in, spun her out, begged her to let him in, and then cut her off. He'd put her in danger. He'd hurt her. He'd let her be hurt, because he'd been too careless and single-minded to see the toll he was taking. He'd drawn her into the depths of his darkness, and only now, only when she'd killed the demon for him does he feel the absolute, impossible magnitude of his transgressions with any clarity. The cost. Not his. Hers. Jesus Christ, he pleads into her. What have I done? She stills, then. The rustling, burrowing shift of her into him. The restlessness as she tried to find her place against him. It stops. She freezes, and he thinks she's even stopped breathing. But she doesn't pull away. She leans back from him, looks up into him, and the shock visibly dissipates from her eyes. Instead, her brow is furrowed, her irises are wet, and she's just blinking at him, owlish and vulnerable. No longer the captain who had negotiated her way into buying time. No longer the warrior who had used every ounce of her training to turn her dire situation around. No longer the street fighter who had bashed the monster's face in with the back of her head, who had gotten the drop on him as he'd tried to move her to a new location. She, as she stares at him, is no longer the invincible, legendary NYPD phoenix who had miraculously come out Yet again, physically unscathed. She's no longer his protector either, finally. And she sets down the sword that she's worn in her expression for the last year. For the first time since he'd come back home to her because of her, she lets her guard down. He can see the wall fall, the steely glass of her weary eyes. It shatters and he's left holding her. Just her. Someone he'd known 20 years ago. She's all soft, open woman now. Tough and relentless, but unguarded. The trust slowly fills her expression as he watches, stunned. Her lips tremble, part. Her lashes are wet. She blinks and she lets him see her. 
He knows why, and it guts him, just how brutally obvious he's been. She knows her fight has been recognized. Here, on a street streaked with the blood of his enemy, in the shrill, brittle hustle of a crime scene, after death and loss and fear and a psyche, his psyche derailed for so long here, in this moment, is when he finally understands. What have I done? He said. And maybe it is the first real moment of self-awareness that he's had in the last year. It's a convoy of destruction what's left behind him. A stretched out wasteland. He's been burning everything in his wake. And she's been fighting his fires. Afraid one day the wells of water within her would run dry before he understood. Before he really saw her and had the chance to start making amends. It had only taken that single, simple statement, but she knows now. She knows, because she knows him. She could hear it instantly. She recognizes him again. He'd reached for her before, in these last months. He'd tried to bridge their gap, but it had always been out of trying to stay steady, to keep things together. He isn't in the fog anymore. As of this moment, he sees her, what he's done. It's descended upon him like a dark cloak, and Christ, Christ, he doesn't know where to start. He's not wrapped up in himself, in his fear or grief, that which is dead at her hands. And what have I done, is a mantra running circles in his head. She'd had to kill tonight because of him. In the line of duty, maybe, but it had been his demon she had slain. And it's the least of what he's cost her. The frenetic horror of his cumulative behavior is crystallizing, and he has no idea how to dig his way out of his guilt. Guilt no longer directed towards his dead wife, but born out of what he's taken, what he's flayed from her. Don't, she breathes, her palm rising to cup his cheek, steadying him. It's over. Of course she consoles him. She needs a shower to pick Wheatley off her skin, but she's absolving him, as if he deserves an ounce of her compassion. I couldn't keep you safe, he chokes, bowing his head in deference. Hey, she says firmly, tipping his face up and getting into his line of vision. I could say the same. No, he shakes his head. He can't look at her. He doesn't deserve to. His head shakes fast as if he can clear the mistakes. I didn't let you. I didn't let you in. And as if she's lit from within, otherworldly, a superhero in a movie who can shrug off the destruction with a costume change and a hot meal, she smiles. There, in the middle of the chaos and the rain and the way their blood threatens to freeze within them, she fucking smiles. We've both got that bad habit, she quips softly. He knows what she's doing. She's evening out the playing field so that she can reach him, so that he doesn't sink, so that he stays there, standing there, with her. But he simply can't move on like that. He won't allow it. He won't get swept into her brand of forgiveness, given too easily and without the beatdown he deserves. They are not equal. She is the giver, and he has abused that, counted on that, and he can't let her clean up this mess, too. He has too much to atone for, 
too many apologies lining up in his throat, all of a sudden clear on who he's been and who he wants to be for her, to her. He's been selfish and self-centered, self-absorbed, absorbing everything she had to offer without keeping track of what he also owes. And he owes. He fucking owes. He chews on his lower lip, refusing to let go of her hip of how close she is, half leaning into him, every other cop on the scene unwilling to step in. Take me home, she finally says. They can call me for my statement. He looks at her, the weight of his mistakes crushing, too freshly clear, too long a list to ever rectify. Live, he starts. What have I done? It haunts him now, and maybe it always will. Focus on what you've done for me lately. She leans in conspiratorially, as if they are a team again, her voice surprisingly gaining strength fast. And you can start with getting me to a hot bath and buying me some takeout. That bastard may be missed dinner. And suddenly, it's not a year ago. It's not a smoke-filled, rainy night filled with terror and disbelief. It's a rainy night, sure, but it's 23 years ago, and she's wearing a baseball hat. She's something filled with promise. She's still hopeful, even at a crime scene. She's got a glint in her eyes right now, meant just for him, and she's not going to be brought down that easily, not by the bad guys, and not even by him, especially not if he sticks by her side. I'll make you some food, he manages. I'll cook. It'll give me something to do. And Olivia laughs softly, disbelievingly, because he even sucked at making coffee back then. She shakes her head, amused. But she doesn't call him out. She trusts that maybe he's got this. And he does. He walks her out of the hell, taking her lead, without looking back, lifting the crime scene tape for her, as he'd done thousands of times. She ducks under, their rhythm and even the simple movement synchronized, practiced over a lifetime. She nudges him, just like she'd done then, and looks up at him, bends into his stabler, and the way she locks on him, he can read her wordy silence once again. We're going to be better than okay one day. He's comforted by only one thing. The more things stay the same, he tells himself, the more things are also about to change. If you like this story, please follow the link to the writer's page and leave some love. Kudos, comments, or subscribe. They'll love hearing from you. Then you can head over to our Patreon page and contribute to Audio Fanfic Podcast. As a member, you are granted early access to one new story per month. That's www.patreon.com slash audiofanficpod. Thank you for listening, and remember, the stories are out there.